Success stories and interviews with game changers and thought leaders who have overcome both in life and in business. Welcome to Vertical Momentum. He got has the, eagle, has the eagle landed now? There we go, brother. How are you? I'm well. How are you doing? Good. Hey, guys, welcome to another episode of Vertical Momentum. This is going to be fun. Uh, but first, I want to thank our sponsors. And of course, our, our guest is going to know this gentleman and his company very well. Mark Lazier and Nutribio. They give me all my supplements and I love their company. I'm actually drinking a pre-workout right now. I love his company. So guys, definitely check out Nutribio. Mark Lazier is a great guy, great company. And also another gentleman, he has a company called Victory Warrior. He makes great workout clothes and t-shirts and will actually customize them for your, your employees and for, for gifts for Christmas. And he is a veteran, so he... He also helps out with veteran charities. So victorywarrior.com. Guys, this is going to be a fun episode, especially for me. They say never meet your heroes. And this gentleman was one of my heroes. Uh, and I'm truly grateful that he decided to um, hang out with us. Rick, my brother, what's going on, brother? Oh, man. Well, thank you for having me. That uh, those, are, those are, you know, words to... Wisdom to my ears, brother. I appreciate the uh, the, the nice words. Mark Blazer also is a, is a great guy, so uh, you're, you're in good stead with Nutribio. But uh, but thank you, thank you very much for having me on. It's uh, it's a pleasure. Well, we have a lot of friends in common, and one thing that I didn't realize that we do have in common is that we both love the movie The Last Dragon, and that's like, <laughs> that's like one of my favorite movies of like all time. Timac, right? Timac back in the day. Right. Unbelievable. I'm going to watch it. You know, I watch it every single time. Yeah. It's one of those movies. If you're just sort of flipping through channels and you hit it, that's you're stuck with it. You're staying with it. Vanity was amazing in it. It's just just a great movie overall. Yeah, I I do love it. Now, like I said, you know, I've been following you, your career for years. And whenever I would get my muscular development magazine. The first article I would turn to would be Greg Valentino's because he was so crazy. <laughs> yeah. And then, no doubt. and then the last, then the next article I would go, I would go to your legal muscle well, and everything you. else in, and everything else in the magazine I would get to eventually. Wow. Well, that's high praise. I thank you. Thank you very much. Well, because I just never knew some of the stuff, some of the crazy stuff. I mean, especially like with what went through with the Ryans and all that. I just never realized how crazy that our system is. You know, uh, it, it's it's amazing. I've been writing now for this is, I think, my twentieth year writing, and the editor and is great. And Steve Blackman, the the publisher, has has always really just let me write about whatever just trusted me to to write about what struck my fancy. So obviously, I write a lot about performance enhancing drug issues a lot about dietary supplement and sports nutrition issues. But I also have had the chance to write about issues of, of law and social commentary and policy and why things are the way they are. Sort of, I've, I've taken a, a page out of one of my heroes, uh, Malcolm Gladwell, who's, who's just a great writer and looks at issues and dissects them in a fresh way. And my goal was always to to take different issues, uh, whether it's a medical or a scientific or a legal or policy, public policy issue, and, and frame it in what should fitness people 
think about this? How should bodybuilders look at this issue? And I've written about everything from uh, limiting the size of sugary soft drinks and, and whether freedom or health should prevail to laws on limiting smoking in parks, um, all sorts of different, a, a very diverse kind of um, topic um, menu. And it's just been amazing. And Ron Harris, who's the editor now. Um, I love Ron. Kind of, Ron. Ron just lets me write what I want. And uh, Alan Golnick uh, does a great job of, of making me look good each month. So I love writing for Muscular Development. And, and Ron and I are now doing, we just launched a little podcast, uh, which we call uh, Legal Muscle. And um, I'm doing it maybe once a month or once every other month. And it's it's recapping different issues that um, that I think are important to people in the fitness community on issues of of law and policy. So um, I, I, I'm I'm blessed, man. I, I love what I do. Um, you know, you say you've been following me for a long time. I've been around. I've been around a long time. You know, I've been in the in the fitness and bodybuilding realm for for many many years look i i competed as a bodybuilder in my late teens and early 20s uh had my npc card and and won some trophies and different bodybuilding shows so um you know i've i've walked the walk for many years and for me to to be able to uh, help people as as an attorney now in the in the bodybuilding and and fitness world is just a dream come true you know, you know, I've been in the fitness, well, I was in the fitness industry since 86. So it's kind of like I've seen a lot of stuff happen. <laughs> you know, it's so many different changes coming around. And, you know, one, and I always, I learned, I'm only got a ninth grade edu formal education, but I think I learned so much just by reading your articles. Well, thank you. Because it wasn't just about the fitness industry. It was about law. It was about, you know, you didn't take, a lot of, you know, because I, I was in the military for over 23 years. Right. And, you know, they they frowned upon, you know, anabolics, but they didn't test for anabolics. So it was right. it was like a really weird. It's like those are the guys that you want to be jacked. You know? So is that like a don't ask, don't tell policy for uh, performance enhancing drugs then? Yeah. I mean, I mean <laughs> unless you, you know, like I had one guy, he was in my tank. I mean, the guy. Uh, was with uh, King Kamali at one time. I mean, he was like 3% body fat or 7%, something stupid. And wow. they, and by military standards, he was obese. And you're like, wait a minute, this guy's shredded. But, you know, because of the military standards, the height and weight, right, standards, right. he was obese. And you're like, well, I, I think a, a lot of us might qualify on, on the BMI charts. You know, they're, they're not made for people who are carrying any kind of muscle and other than than people who are bodybuilders or, or super fit, you know, nobody's going to have the amount of muscle that would make them into a BMI category. Most of the people who would be obese by by the BMI charts are people who would be more classically, you know, overweight with a high body fat percentage. Yeah. So now tell us a little bit, a little bit about your past. Where you where were you born? What, what kind of little kid were you coming up? So, so I, I've, you know, I've, I've lived most of my life in, uh, on Long Island in, in New York. I, I went to kindergarten in, um, in Rochester, New York. But other than that, 
it's been Long Island and Queens, so New York City and the island all of my life. Um, didn't have a, an enormous amount of, uh, of resources, money when I was growing up. So uh, my dad passed on when I was 16. And, um, and so I worked my way through, through college, um, had a number of different jobs. I was a, a bouncer in nightclubs on Long Island South Shore. I was a, a nursing home orderly, which is uh, a, sobering, a sobering job to have at a young age, but also a, a one that teaches you good life lessons and also teaches you how important it is to stay in shape as you age. And um, and then I was also a personal trainer working in gyms and and things like that. So um, so, so what, I worked my way through. What was your first like? Well, I know that like one of my first my mom used to be a nurse. And mm -hmm. I, when I was six or seven years old, you know, like we'd be in a bathroom and she would just leave her anatomy and physiology books around. So I started getting into it that. And then I, I went to a garage sale and I seen his old VHS tape. It was the old Arnold tape. And right. So what was your first memories of the fitness and bodybuilding and superheroes and stuff like that? So, you know, I, I do believe that a lot of it, and it may be it may be a different time. But but back when I was a kid growing up, comic books were were a huge thing. And I remember like looking at the the superhero physiques of, you know, the the Batmans and and all of the Marvel uh, characters and some of the guys in the DC comics and thinking, you know, that's that's the way somebody should look. That's the way I want to look. And I think that a lot of folks who became bodybuilders in my generation started because somehow and, and who knows why it resonated with why it resonates with some and not others. But there's some of us for whom we look at those those heroic physiques in the comic books, even at a very, very young age. And it's like, that's, I see myself, that's how I want to look. And so uh, I got into bodybuilding, I think, originally inspired by, by the comic books, and then ultimately inspired by the real life bodybuilders who looked like the folks, you know, the heroes in the comic books. So you know, back when I was in high school, Arnold was kind of a, in his heyday. It was Arnold and and Frank Zane and and Franco and and Boyer Co and Bill Grant and all of the all of that generation. I remember reading what was then Muscle Builder and Power. Yeah, um, yeah. You know, back in the day, or Dan Lurie's magazines, or or Bob Kennedy. Um, oh, I love and, Muscle Mag. Love. Yeah, Muscle, Muscle Mag. You know, it's funny. Uh, when I was in probably in college um, or just out of high school, I wrote a Bob Kennedy used to have like a little a column that was reader tips. So if you were a reader of Muscle Mag, you can you would be able to send a, a little note to Bob Kennedy about a, a recommendation for an exercise or a training technique. I, I don't I remember writing just what my my trap routine, just sort of a way of, of hitting traps in a unique way. I don't remember exactly what it was, uh, but I offered three little tips on different types of exercise protocols, and he published it. And that was actually my my first published writing was bodybuilding tips to to Bob Kennedy, and um, and I met him later years later at different um, you know uh, 
conferences and trade shows, the Arnold or the Olympia. Uh, but that's how it started for me. And Bob Kennedy, when he passed, man, I, that that was a heartbreaker. When he, you know. Yeah, he was a he was a kind guy. He uh, he loved bodybuilding, and um, you know, look that those back then those images, those stories, you know, training re- regimens, routines, you know, that was what really inspired me. You know, obviously now it's very different. You've got social media, and you know everything is digital now. But back then, you know, I remember I was in high school and I bought Mike Menser's little heavy duty. Remember that pamphlet that Mike Menser had? Oh, I love it. Was, he was amazing. Did you, ever, did, you have, did you have his heavy duty book? I had everything. And that's where Dorian got all his stuff, too. Oh, absolutely. You know, and Arthur Jones and the whole Nautilus, you know, training, you know, philosophy was was what inspired, I guess, Mike. But um but it was, you know, supersetting and isolation exercise uh, followed by a compound movement, you know, the whole pre-exhaust and, and doing very few sets, which, yes, ultimately Dorian adopted that training philosophy and, you know, uh, with great success, I might add. But um, can you imagine yeah. stepping on stage, you know, like Arnold would step on stage at 240, 241. Can you imagine somebody stepping on the Olympia stage now at 240? Yeah, well, you know. <laughs> evolution right you know things evolve and you know lots of lots of things have changed since those days you know and there's there are there are those who you know look back and and admire some of those physiques of either the late 70s or the 80s or even the early 90s um you know more from an aesthetic standpoint than than some of the physiques that are out there today yeah now you know, a lot of people, I, very, the most successful people that I've learned, that I've interviewed, they, they're very well read and they believe that readers are leaders. Were you somebody that read a lot, even in, when, as a young, young kid and a teen? I was. Yeah, I was a big reader. Um, I did well in school. Um, I remember I had a, a buddy, <laughs> a buddy of mine and I were, were would just read and then talk about what we read. And we, we would read things that, you know, we weren't being assigned at school um, just to sort of expand our, our knowledge of the world. And, and I, I still read. Um, I love books that, that kind of look into why things are the way they are. I mentioned Malcolm Gladwell earlier, something like Super Freakonomics, where, where it's you know, looking at different phenomena public policies, whatever, and figuring out why is, why is it that way? Why have we done it that way? And, and I've tried to sort of, I think people who love to read sometimes also love to write. And I think a lot of my writing was inspired by my love of reading. Well, you know, like a guy, a friend of ours, Matt White, I mean, I don't know how you guys just keep pumping out stuff. Uh, I, I don't have the, the mind for it, but you guys keep on pump, pushing out great matt matt is prolific matt really pumps out the content he's a great writer a great guy Uh, he and i actually um would hand out trophies at the arnold uh amateur arnold classic amateur um competitions a few years it's got to be probably five to ten years ago that we were doing it so we'd get the the chance to spend a, a good part of the day together and um, always fun, you know, whenever I can, I can give back to bodybuilding, 
by sponsoring contests and I train at Bev's uh, here on Long Island, which I, I, I that's a great best gym. Have you trained at Bev's? Yep, I've been trained there when they first opened. That is the mecca. That is the mecca, in my opinion. Yeah, it's you know certainly the East Coast mecca and maybe the mecca everywhere, but um, the equipment is is phenomenal. The atmosphere is great. We've got you know pros who train there now. I just saw Max Charles last night and. Um, Juan Morel, uh, I've seen on a regular basis, and you know. Um, well, that's why I have the it's great. Everybody goes trains at Bev's. No question. So, so you know, so I see Steve Weinberger all the time, and and he's a great guy, and so I sponsor his shows, and it, it gives me an opportunity to give back to the community because I, you know, bodybuilding, bodybuilding has been very, very good to me, without question. <laughs> so let me know. Being from Jersey, you know, you're either on two sides of the fence. Either you know, a lot of people want to be a cop or a firefighter or a lawyer, and the other side wants to stay away from the cops. So, what made you decide? All right, I want to go to school to be a lawyer. So, uh, I don't think I had any real interest in um, being a lawyer when I was in high school and, and even in college. My major was psychology. I had a minor in, in drama, theater. Um, I love acting. And a, a lot of courtroom lawyers are frustrated actors um, and um, a lot of actors maybe frustrated lawyers. But but so um I was actually on a track to be a psychologist. And at, at some point I kind of changed tracks. I got a, a full academic scholarship to, to law school. And so that was something I really couldn't turn down. Um, and maybe in keeping with the superhero, um, you know, it's funny. One of the superheroes that I used to love when I was a kid was Daredevil. Remember uh, you know, a lot of people hated that movie. I thought it was one of the greatest movies ever written. Well, the comic books were terrific. And, yes. and if you remember, you know, Daredevil was an assistant district attorney. So mm -hmm. that, that's what he did. And so maybe somehow in my mind, I, I connected that maybe what I would do to, you know, if I couldn't be an actual superhero, maybe I'd be an assistant district attorney like Daredevil was, and I'd be able to prosecute the folks who make life miserable for people, either by taking their money or or hurting them physically, or any of the other things that that occur in the criminal justice system that are that are particularly bad. And so uh, that's what I did when when I finished, you know, as I was finishing law school, I was applying for DA's offices to be a prosecutor. And that's that's not the most lucrative thing. You're you're a government worker, so it's uh, it's not a, a way to get rich by any stretch of the imagination. But it was interesting to me, and it also. I liked the idea of being in a courtroom. You know, they say that that one of the greatest fears that people have is of public speaking, right? Even more than death, I think, when they when they um, poll people. Um, but there are some people who like public speaking, and yep. and I'm the kind of person who maybe because it was the actor in me, I liked the idea of getting up in front of a courtroom, standing in front of a jury. Uh, persuading the jury that, that my side should win and why, and there's some theatric, a theatrical component to it, which which attracted me. So, um, so that idea of lawyering, uh, I liked always. Um, like everybody, 
you know, who's who's a competitive bodybuilder in their late teens, early 20s. Of course, my other my other track uh, goal for life was to become Mr. Olympia, of course, you know. And so um, but but ultimately I decided that I'd follow the law track and I stopped competing in bodybuilding. I remembered being you may remember years ago, there was a bodybuilder by the name of Steve Mahalik. You remember, Steve? Oh, yeah. One of the nice, one of the nicest physiques at, at that time. Yeah, she, you know, wide, tiny waist, you know, wide shoulders, flaring lats. He owned a gym here on Long Island called Mister America's, and um, I remember I competed in a show and uh, at, I, I took second. And one of his day managers came up to me after the show and said. You know, you you have this incredible potential. You know, you you know, if you come and train at um, at Steve's gym, you know, follow all of our protocols. You know, you'll really be able to make a dent into the bodybuilding world. And it was it was flattering, it was tempting, um, but I had already uh, started the track. I had applied and been accepted to law school. And I was like, okay, this is a crossroads in life. And, you know, what am I going to do? Am I going to am I going to go the bodybuilding route or am I going to go the lawyering route? And so ultimately, I decided, you know what, I'm going to hang up the posing trunks and and pick up a, a different set of briefs, you know, and and yeah. into the legal world. But but the the great irony, as I look back now on you know, all these years later, is that I'm probably more involved in the bodybuilding world now than I ever would have been if I had taken that other course, if I had, you know, competed and, and decided I was going to, you know, try for a pro card and all of that stuff. Um, you know, probably I, uh, I don't know how far I would have gotten, but I probably like a lot of, you know, high ranking NPC or, or, you know, or IFBB pros, I probably would have ultimately, you know, gone on to do something else and moved on to some other course of life and been less involved directly in the bodybuilding community. But, but because I chose the course that I did, my vocation ultimately melded with my avocation, my, my skills and training as a lawyer blended with my experiences and connections in the bodybuilding world. So that now I'm, I'm very involved. I don't know if there's any few other lawyers are as involved in the bodybuilding world as I am. I, I've had, you know, um, my my um, firm has represented uh, back in the day Sylvester Stallone's nutrition company. I've represented many IFBB pros on different legal matters of different kinds, high-ranking NPC bodybuilders, people in the sports nutri in nutrition industry. I used to work with Ben Weeder on a number of legal issues as counsel for the IFBB Pro League. Um, once got the opportunity to spend a whole afternoon with Governor Schwarzenegger in his office, um, which was in California, which for me, as, as the kid who was reading Muscle Builder and Power with Arnold on the cover when I was 17 years old, this was like a dream come true. So, you know, of course, you're, you're still working out while you're going to college, so you're still pretty jacked. And, you know, a lot of people, you know, look at bodybuilders and think, you know, at first glance, you're like, okay, they're dumb. You know, they're just a muscle right. head. They pick things up and right. put things down. And then, right. you know, because like the way I experience it, because, you know, I've met a lot of the pros and I've also now I'm talking to a lot of Navy SEALs and 
and, you know, operators like Delta Force. But the guys that you think are going to be muscle heads are like the most studious people that you'll ever meet. So how was it, you know, when people first met you, they're like, holy shit, this dude's big. But I bet he doesn't have a brain. And all of a sudden, you start right. talking to him. Well, what's that, you know, that first well, conversation like? <laughs> well, it's funny you say that because, you know, now I, I you know, because because a, a lot of young law students and young lawyers will read my columns or find me online or through social media, um, there it seems like there are a lot of male and female fitness and bodybuilding folks who are in law school. And, so, and I think fitness is just very, very much more accepted and more mainstream now than it ever was back when I was starting law school. When I started law school, there was really virtually nobody else, a handful of folks who were into fitness. Um, nobody was my size. Nobody was really a hardcore bodybuilder. Nobody was coming out of bodybuilding competitions. And back then, it was more unusual, you know, and and because of that, the stigma that would attach to that kind of a physique was much, much stronger. And I remember starting law school and, you know, showing up and, you know, uh, people would look at me and I could see that there were assumptions being made based on how I looked physically that I didn't have a brain, that I wasn't going to make it through the first year of law school. I was going to, I was going to be just crushed and, and, you know, and fallen by the wayside. And the reality is what they didn't know, of course, was that I was one of the few who was there on a full academic scholarship. So um, I kind of had to make a decision either to try to convince people that notwithstanding the fact that I looked different than anybody else, that I still was smart and that wasn't for me. So I actually just doubled down. So I would come to law school wearing a, you know, boat neck, ripped up sweatshirt, uh, you know, sweatpants, which back back then were like the almost like the Mike Christian platinum everywhere, you the know, Zubaz. Uh, the Zubaz. yeah, yeah, you know, zebra patterns, crazy stuff, you know, like Rick and, Valente um, back in the day. Exactly, exactly, just like that. And so my hat on backwards. So I basically doubled down on Meathead when I was in law school um, because part of it was I thought it was funny to, to just sort of, you know, rag on it and to, um, to just defy the expectations. And then, of course, I, I, was, um, I made it to law review in my, in my first year. And so uh, the academics followed and, and I did very well in law school. But um, but I certainly didn't try to blend in. So now to flip the script. So now if you're the prosecutor and uh, and I don't know who you are and I look at you, because like I said, I've met you a few times. But if I was a, a, a criminal and I just looked over at the prosecutor's table and I see you, I'd be like, oh, shit, I'm in trouble. <laughs> so what was that like you know now people are looking at you and you are the prosecutor but you're also jacked so they must, that must have been a little bit intimidating on on their their part you know yeah i i think like all of us if you have physicality 
you can wield it wisely, right? You know when to use it and how to use it. And so I, whether I'm on the prosecutor's side or the defense side, I really go out of my way to, to be um, benign and to be respectful and to be collegial with my adversary. Look, we're, we're all doing a job. Each side has its own respective jobs. I never try to come out. Uh, if, if anything, I try not to be intimidating. I try to be disarming um, and to what extent I can charming in, in dealing with my adversaries and with everybody. Uh, you know, life is too short to, to be unpleasant ever. Um, but, I, but I do think that probably on some subconscious level, there, there is a value to the physicality. I think there is a, a subtext, no matter what you do, of at, at least physical presence that you're going to have if you're if you're in a size 54 suit jacket and, and a 34 inch waist, people people are going to see that they're going to know it. No matter how kindly you are, I think I do think that there's some subconscious value to the you know t- to the pre- physical presence that comes from a bodybuilding physique. You know, because back in the day, if I was a criminal in in Texas and Ronnie came out, poured himself out of that car and came up to the car weighing 260 pounds. That would be pretty damn intimidating to me, you know? Right. There's no question. It's funny, you know, when I first, so when I left the DA's office uh, after five years of prosecuting, I went into the opposite arena. So, so now I was going to represent people accused of crimes. And so I, I switched hats and I, and like, like many prosecutors, I went to the criminal defense side. And when you first start out as a criminal defense lawyer and you're building your practice and your reputation and, and you're networking so that more people will hire you, during that time, you typically accept assigned cases. And what that means is people who can't afford their own attorney um, and who, are, who need counsel because they're charged with a crime, the court will appoint lawyers, uh, including private lawyers, to represent people on a, you know, individual basis. And so, like many lawyers, I did that kind of appointed work, signed counsel work. And because of the physicality that I had at that time, um, the judges would often assign me defendants, people accused of crimes, who had not gotten along with their previous counsel. So if a defendant was angry with a past lawyer, threatened the lawyer, physically attacked the lawyer, the judge would see me walk into a courtroom and would say, ah, I see Mr. Collins has walked into the courtroom. Mr. Collins, step up to the bench, step up. Oh, I'm so excited. We have a, a gentleman who's waiting in the back. He's in the pens. He attacked his last three lawyers. He's very, very angry. But go back there. You're going to be his new lawyer. His case is on for trial next week. You can start preparing with him, and we'll see you on Tuesday to pick a jury. And I would need to then go into the little holding pens, little little basically cells, um, little jail cells, cages behind the courtroom, and meet with somebody who 
had bad experiences with the last few lawyers, sometimes had some level of, of mental illness um, uh, or oppositional defiance disorder or, or you know, some level of antisocial behavior. And I would then need to get that person to, you know, sort of win that, that person over uh, because you can't really try a case and represent somebody that you're not talking to and getting along with. And I do think that the physicality, um, you know, the potential intimidation factor um, helped, helped get, you know, through that initial sort of situation um, because I wasn't afraid of them um, as I would be assigned to those clients. And they kind of knew that. And so there was a, a, a higher level of mutual respect to start with. And I remember being assigned to one guy, uh, and I told this story in other podcasts, that basically we had a, a staring standoff uh, on either side of the bars. And I was close enough that I knew that he could reach through the bars and grab me. He was a former middleweight boxer. He was a, one of Mike Tyson's undercards in, in some of his fights. And, um, you know, he were close enough that almost nose to nose and he stopped talking and I stopped talking and he wouldn't, he started moving back and forth and biting his lip. And ultimately when I realized I couldn't get anywhere with reason or logic or being nice in, in my words to him, I just started doing the same thing back to him. And that went on for maybe 90 seconds of just the two of us kind of standing off to see who would punch who first. And ultimately, I, I stopped and said, well, now do you want to talk about this case? And he looked at me and he said, yeah, let's do that. And we got along fine from that moment on. I tried his case. I got him acquitted of all the higher charges. He was, he was convicted of a lesser included offense. He was happy as, uh, as a clam by the end of the case. And he tried to hug me um, when, he was, when the case was finished. So, um, you know, yes, physicality as a lawyer is, is an asset. So now... Okay, because I want to talk, you know, we're, we're going to talk business a little bit. You know, you know, a lot of people, like when I first started my podcast years ago, I tried to be something to everybody and nobody listened. Um, but, you know, now if I, if I hear the word steroid and if I hear the word lawyer, your face just pops up in my mind. So it's kind of like unwittingly that became in one way a niche. You know, to where right. you were the go you're the go to guy. You're the right. goat as far as that. But you know, of course, you've done some amazing other things. So yes. talk to us about a little bit about you know about niching down a little bit. And sometimes you have to specialize in something because if you're just general counsel, you know, you're not gonna you're you're not gonna be known for one certain thing and like you are right now. So can you talk so a little bit about niching down? Sure. So I think the world has become more, more complicated and success has been more and more based on specialization. So you're right. You, the, the days of the general practitioner in law or medicine or many other areas is, is really over because there's, everything is so complicated that you, you really couldn't you know, I, I don't know how a, a, a lawyer could be just a general practitioner and be able to do a good job on a real estate closing on Monday and a matrimonial case on a Tuesday and go into criminal court on a Wednesday. To, to me, that's, that's not a, a recipe for, 
for great results. So I think the more we specialize and and concentrate in particular areas as professionals, the the better the better the results will be. Um, my my goal was really ultimately to help folks in the fitness and bodybuilding world. And because a lot of the problems for bodybuilders um, in a criminal context were involving performance drugs like anabolic steroids or growth hormone or, or other things, um, that became sort of where my criminal defense practice started to orient. Uh, I didn't go into the business of law thinking, wow, I'm going to be the steroid lawyer or I'm going to be the dietary supplement sports nutrition lawyer. Um, that just sort of happened organically because I had a background in those areas. I was interested in those areas. I knew a lot about those areas. And so um, people started to come to me with problems in, in that regard. And so ultimately, you know, most of my practice now is, I'd say half of my practice is getting people out of trouble and the other is keeping them out of trouble. So the, the getting them out of trouble is typically dealing with bodybuilders or others, um, physicians sometimes, or police officers, or, or many others who wind up in some sort of criminal or administrative issue or trouble. Maybe they test positive in a doping uh, screen, or maybe they're accused of using steroids or selling steroids or importing steroids or growth hormone or SARMs or uh, fraudulent research chemicals or dietary supplements that are spiked with something that shouldn't be in there. And I probably do more of that work than anybody else. And the more you, you know the way it is, the more you do of something, the better you get at it because you've now seen every possible permutation, every wrinkle, so that you, when you come up to an adversary on the other side of a legal matter, you have seen a thousand times more of this sort of, you've thought about it more, you've been involved with it more. So you can, you should be 10, 15, 20, 30 steps ahead of your adversary who maybe has never dealt with this kind of matter before. So that's why I think, you know, the more you do it, the better you get at it. And if it's something that you love doing, which for me now, you know, I do a lot of criminal defense work, but I don't need to represent people who steal money from others or who hold people at gunpoint or who, you know, kidnap people or who sexually assault people. I don't have to do those. I have a, a law firm and I have partners and they, some of them do bread and butter criminal defense. And so they, they represent people, but I can kind of pick and choose cases. And most of the cases I choose are representing people in the bodybuilding community. And they're people who are, are not dissimilar from people who I've spotted in, and had gotten spots from in gyms across the country for many years. So, so getting those people out of trouble, particularly for performance-related drug issues that, you know, there's some, some debate about whether the law really should treat those people who use those products in, in the same way as people who use addictive narcotic drugs. But, but I feel good about what I do there. And the other half of what I do is, is keeping people out of trouble. And so I, I work a lot with 
sports nutrition brands and other dietary supplement companies to make sure that they're crossing their T's and dotting their I's and making sure that the claims that they make are uh, within the boundaries of what's allowed and that the ingredients that they're selling are ingredients that, that should be on the market. So um, again, it's, it's sort of where health, my whole practice is where health and fitness, particularly bodybuilding meets the law. And um, I couldn't be happier with what I do. Um, and, you know, one thing, you know, like I said, I've been in the industry now for eight, since 86. And it seems like for a while they were prosecuting, you know, bodybuilders and fitness people for steroids. And then it's kind of like, all right, let's start looking at some of these companies. And I'm not going to mention any names because I'm not mm -hmm. about to get sued. Um, you know, but we all know one company that, you know, they're taking pictures on Instagram and their mansions and all their Lambos. And all of a sudden the feds are all over them. And now they're looking at indictments for a couple of years. So what made the switch from them, them saying, hey, you know what, we're going we're to start, start going after people personally. So now we're going to start going after companies. That was a major switch. And that actually put, you know, turned the whole supplement industry on its ears. Yeah, you know, there's been fits and starts. There was another time many years ago when they went after companies, um, and, and you'll probably remember the um, bodybuilding.com search warrant that yep. was, in, you know, we're talking now almost 20 years ago, uh, 18 or something years ago. That's crazy. And, um, yeah, isn't that crazy? And there were a whole bunch of sports nutrition companies back then that were making pro-hormone products. Pro, the pro-hormone market had had started in the very late 90s and had continued to sort of grow. And what started as Andro alone had become, you know, a whole lot of different precursors to and Andro. Andro, that stuff actually worked. And eventually, yeah, they got, you know, it got bolder and bolder. And so people were just looking for steroid molecules that were not uh, identified in the then existing law with respect to steroids and, and we're just marketing them. And so the bodybuilding.com search warrant uh, was to go after a whole bunch of companies that had pro-hormone products on the market. Then I wound up representing a bunch of those companies in uh, Boise, Idaho, which is where it was uh, most of those cases were brought, although there were a few cases brought in other districts as well. And so, um, I mean, it's interesting. My, my practice in, in defending companies and individuals involved in performance drugs um, or steroids and other stuff uh, has taken me all across the country. I've had cases in courthouses from the West Coast, straight all through the East Coast, Florida, Texas. I've had a lot of cases in Texas. In a number of jurisdictions, New York, Pennsylvania, Massachusetts, D.C., Texas, uh, federal courts all over the country. So, um, you know, it's interesting. I, I used to travel a lot uh, in, in defending folks. Now, since the pandemic hit, a lot of the cases are being handled by yeah. Zoom. And so um, doing court appearances, I can, I can do a court appearance in California in the morning and a court appearance in Florida in the afternoon 
without ever leaving my laptop. Yeah, it's funny because like I went to dinner the other night and, with a judge, and we were talking about the same thing. He's like, "Yeah, I, sometimes I have my, I have my lap, you know, my coat and my shirt on, and underneath <laughs> I'm wearing shorts. You know, <laughs> I out, yeah, you know, yes. do it all through Zoom." Now, uh-huh. now, you know, back in the day, yep. you know, even Muscle Tech had a product out there called Acetabolin. I mean, they were actually just sometimes actually using steroids names just to try to get customers before every you know everything shut down. So now, what do you what do you yeah. think is the state of the health and fitness industry as we speak? Because I, you know, one thing I love about Mark, you know, Glazier from Nutribio, whatever it says in the bottle, was on whatever's on the label, it's in the bottle. He doesn't bullshit. He doesn't, you know, do all that other stuff. So that's why I love his products. But what do you think? Of- He's actually, you know, Mark is actually um, working on a, a, a new brand as a, as a contract manufacturer for a friend of mine. I don't know if you know Will oh, Brink. Person. Another, but, another um, prolific person. Another prolific yes, writer. Yes. Um, and Will finally came out with something he's believed in for a long time, which is a, you know, a healthy coffee product called Alpha Joe. And uh, Mark Glazer is actually, um, you know, producing the product for him. So um, I can't wait to get a bottle you know, and try I, I love, it. Uh, are, you, are you a coffee uh, drinker? I, I, you know, it is because, like I said, I was with GNC for like 30 years. And uh, I would always right. be having like sucking down energy drinks. But as I get older, it's like, okay, I could have one or two a day. But that's about it. So, I, yeah, when it comes out, I definitely check it out. Uh, by the way, you know, because like once I lost my vision, I'm, I'm 80% blind. My hearing got uh, very in tune. And when I'm li- right, we yep. adapt, right? We, we compensate. And when I'm listening yep. to you, it sounds like I'm talking to Paul Stanley from Kiss. You <laughs> have the same voice because <laughs> really? he's from the same area. So you guys have this. It sounds wow. exactly. I wish I had his singing. I wish I had his, or his singing money, voice. right? Yeah, or his so money. So what, yep. what do you think um, the state but- of the health and fitness industry is right now? Um, you know, it's interesting. I think more people are into fitness and health now than, than ever before, uh, you know, putting the, the, this pandemic issue aside, I think health and fitness are more mainstream, but, but we really, if you look at statistics on American health, particularly, you know, overweight and obesity, I think we're, we've hit, we've hit our, our peak in terms of percentages of obesity and and folks who are overweight, you know, we talked a little bit before about BMI, but you know most of the people who are obese and overweight are not bodybuilders. You know most of the folks are are jeopardizing their health in that. Uh, it's funny. I did a I did a, a column not long ago on the issue of fat shaming. Fat shaming versus fat yes, acceptance. That was a, that because, was a great, very good article. That was pretty. That was a great article. Thanks. You know, and and just sort of the the idea that um, you know you can choose to say that neither are a good thing. You know that that cert, obviously I would hope that we're now at a place where we know that making fun of people for any reason, particularly for, you know, obesity or, or a weight issue, isn't going to, it's not going to help them. 
if anything, it's going to make them more depressed and be counterproductive to them. So fat shaming is, is obviously a big no-no and not something we should be doing. But there is also a counter movement of, of fat acceptance and a fat pride movement. Um, and I think that, you know, we have to be careful about being worried, so worried about hurting people's feelings these days that we, we deny science and, and deny medicine and deny real health issues. So I covered that, and I think in a in a very sensitive way that you know, was was um, was kind and and you know um, and intended to be, and hopefully was helpful to folks. But um, but yeah, we, with with the issues that we have now um, with health and and the ties that uh, obesity has to a whole host of medical issues. Um, I think we have to pay more attention as a country to our health. You know, I do hear that now the, the big supplement industry, you know, has exploded in terms of immunity products. Every, every company now, you know, the big hot thing is, is immunity, right? Because everybody wants to, to try to make themselves as healthy as possible during the pandemic. And, and as you know, just from your days at GNC, you know, the difference between a drug and a supplement in terms of claims is that a drug can make claims, a prescription drug can say, this will reduce your blood pressure or this will help fight COVID. A supplement, if it says that, is going to get at a minimum a warning letter from FDA saying, you can't make disease claims. You can't say that a dietary supplement product will cure or treat or mitigate or diagnose a disease. You can't, you can't make those claims. So, uh, but, but I do see that that's a huge, you know, hot, hot thing. Um, I don't know about the sports nutrition industry. I have friends in it, uh, obviously, and, you know, some are doing well, but, um, but some companies I think have struggled because there was a period of time when gyms were closed and when, you know, even, even Bev's, you know, was closed for a period of time. I think it was about five months. And uh, if you if you follow me on Instagram, I, I posted some pictures of, of where I was training for those five months while the gym was closed. And it was my basement. I had gotten a pair of adjustable dumbbells and um, and a couple of benches and was was doing what I could in in the basement. That's so so I can. Jimmy, that's why I love my friend Jimmy Mantis. He's got his own pit. He started his own his own pit, <laughs> so now he he be able to work out whenever yeah. he wants to work out. You know, and, and that's one thing I loved about yep. Bob Bonham. You know, I always loved going to Strong and Shapely. I thought that was a hell of yes. a gym. Also, it's funny you say that. For some reason, on on my uh, Facebook or Instagram feeds today, a picture of me with um, about 10, 12 years ago, I wrote a book called Alpha Male yep. Challenge well, I have uh, with a, a co-author. <laughs> and my co-author was uh, James Villapeg, who had written a number of fitness books. And, and he and I co-wrote this book. And it's sort of a, you know, a, a nutrition and exercise regimen for guys looking to reclaim their health. It wasn't a hardcore bodybuilding book. It was more of a, a fitness get healthy book. And and a lot of good common sense diet stuff and, and nutrition stuff in it. And I just, on my feed this morning was a picture of, of James and me and Bob Bonham at Strong and Shapely Gym, which was taken probably about 10 years wow. ago. You know, and I love that place. There's something walking in there and you're like, wow, okay, I'm home, you know? 
So now, you know, we're both in our fifties. I mean, so talk to us, you know, for a lot of people that are on here, you know, maybe they might've fallen out of shape. What are some of the common sense ways they can do to start getting back into shape slowly, but can be able to stay on the right track? Right. You know, I think even if it's just three days a week, weight training is so important. You know, weight training is, is of great value both to men and to women you know, back years ago, you and I, I'm sure, heard women say, I don't want to get too muscular as if you're going to, you know, do three curls and you're going to look like, you know, Arnold Schwarzenegger. So I think women, particularly for staving off osteoporosis and, and retaining uh, bone mass, super important. So it, it could be three days a week of weight training and, and some cardio as well, because you got to spend some time um, you know, trying to make sure that your, the old ticker is going to be working properly as you get older. So I la- actually, I'm not a huge indoor gym cardio guy. I, I do it you know, reluctantly and holding my nose for it, but um, I like outdoor cardio. So a couple of years ago, I bought a weighted vest and you can get them online and they're, they're adjustable. You just slip these weights into the vest, which has little slits and, and compartments to hold these bricks of, of weight. And I'll do either a, a very rugged trail, which is up on the North Shore of Long Island, and uh, it's like a two-mile trail, um, and do it with the weighted vest on, or I'll do bleachers. I've got a high school and a stadium not far from me. And I'll just start at the bottom of the bleachers and work my way up and work my way down with the weighted vest. And I'll tell you, my quads and calves are screaming the next day. But it's also, I mean, it's, it's intense. You try throwing, you know, 25 pounds of, of extra weight on and you feel lighter all day. So, you know, doing cardio, doing, you know, um, some amount of weight training, you know, I, I think people... You've got to just prioritize it. People will sometimes, you know, let it go. And, and then it's harder to start up again. Um, you know, you, you've got to adapt. I remember when, when I had little kids at home, when my kids were very, very young, uh, I wanted to put them to bed. Uh, so I would come home from work. And instead of going right to the gym, I'd spend a little time, eat dinner with the family, put the kids to bed, and then go to the gym. So I was training at like 930 at night. Why? because I had to adapt my training schedule. Luckily, I had training partners who were willing to, you know, uh, humor me and, and adapt their schedules to mine. So we would train from like 9.30 till 11 at night. Um, and I did that when my kids were little. I train a little earlier now. But finding a way to adapt is, you know, to, to keep your fitness if you're willing to prioritize it is super important. You know, you know one of the things... You may have read, uh, I've written a few columns about what bodybuilding teaches yep. us. And, and I've written these columns both in terms of the, the big picture, but also as, as a business person, as a person looking for to be successful in a, a walk of life or an occupation or a profession outside of bodybuilding. And the lessons that we learn from bodybuilding which make us better at those other things that we do. And one of those things certainly is, you know, uh, learning to adapt. So if, if you can't train at a particular time, you circle around and you do something different. All of us have had injuries 
you know, at some point in, in bodybuilding. Years ago, I, I tore my tricep in kind of a freak accident. And, and then I, you know, uh, instead of taking the time off and saying, you know, I'm just going to wait until I'm well again. Within two weeks, I was back in the gym, arm in a sling. I was training legs. I was training, you know, there's enough equipment now, hammer strength and other equipment that enables you to train one side of the body without uh, using the other. And my training partners would would throw the plates on and I would do one arm lat pull downs and one arm seated chest presses and you know, one arm side laterals working the other. And, and I remember reading a number of studies that suggested, and I recommend this to anybody who ever injures a body part, you know, whether it's a, a arm problem or a leg problem, um, train the other limb as aggressively as possible. Don't lay off, train it hard. There is a contralateral effect to unilateral training. By training that left arm, you will get benefits and reduce the atrophy in the injured right arm. Uh, and there's you know, that sort of neurological effect is documented in the science. Um, don't be afraid. Oh, if I train my left arm and not train my right arm, I'm going to be, you know, somehow lose symmetry. Nonsense. Train it as hard as you can. And you will see when, when that cast came off my injured arm, I had very, very little atrophy. It was amazing. And I was able to come fully back with the injured arm, I think in half the time of what it would have taken me if I had just sat on the couch for those months, you know, feeling sorry for myself that, that I couldn't, you know, train. Completely. I love that brother. So now how can we get in touch with you? If we need a good lawyer, how do we get in touch with you? If we just have some questions to ask and uh, where can we find some of your books? Cause, event, cause I'm, I'm going to put that in some of the liner notes. Uh, so where they can pick up that book. Cause I have the book. Sure. And it's on my shelf. Well, and I still love that book. Well, thank you. Thank you. Yeah. So, um, so I'm, I'm active on social media. So the, the first place to find me uh, might be my Instagram at Rick Collins ESQ. Um, and I, you know, I try to mix some law, bodybuilding, a little bit of social commentary and some humor. So um, Rick Collins ESQ. You can also go to my website, rickcollins.com. My contact information is there. Um, if you're interested in sort of the more hardcore aspects of bodybuilding, you can go to steroidlaw.com, steroidlaw.com, and some information there. My address, my phone numbers are on all of those sites, so it's easy for people to reach me. You can email me through those sites or message me on social media. Uh, I try to help everybody I can. Um, I've written two books. One is Alpha Male Challenge. You can get it on Amazon, and it's a 10-week a plan to in diet and exercise plan. And there's a lot of don't forget, I was a psychology major, so there's also a lot of sort of attitude component to it, and and sort of kind of what the the alpha concept is. Not to be a, a jerk about things, but to to really bring out the best in yourself, and that sort of alpha attitude is is a lot of what the book is comprised of. And my original book years ago um, was Legal Muscle. Legal Muscle was really about anabolic steroids in American law, culture, politics, sports. And, um, and that book, is it's out of print. You know, it, it, I, if I were to try to 
At this point, it's out of date because the laws have changed, the federal sentencing guidelines have changed. So I would have a huge project in updating that, but it's it's available, I guess, as a souvenir book on eBay and, and some other, other sites like that. Um, and look, you know, I'm here for the bodybuilding community. Uh, I love what I do. I love helping bodybuilders. I have a, like, like Liam Neeson in Taken says, I have a very particular set of skills and uh, I, I like to, to put them to use for people in the fitness community. Um, I work with some lawyers in my office who do a number of different things. It's not just a steroid kind of thing and it's not just a, a dietary supplement or sports nutrition thing. Um, I work with a lawyer who does uh, trademark and intellectual property. So if you wanted to trademark a product or a name, uh, you can reach out to me. I have a, a law partner. My, my firm is diverse. I'm, I'm specialized, but different players within my firm do different things. And one of the partners does exclusively personal injury cases. So it's car accidents, and slip and falls and things like that. So that's what he does. I have two partners that do bread and butter criminal defense. So we're a diverse law firm. You can certainly reach out to me. And if you have any kind of legal problem, if I don't do it, I know who does. And I do get um, a lot of calls. Uh, somebody from Muscular Development just reached out to me yesterday on the staff there. And it was something in California involving matrimonial. Not at all something that, that I would do, but I was able to, to give the, the connections and the advice for that person to get the help. And I'm happy to do that in any given case. If somebody has a legal problem, just reach out to me. Um, I, I probably know somebody where you are who would be able to help. Yep, I'm right across the bridge. So now last question, because I, yes. I, I ask a hundred people and I get a hundred different answers. You know, we live in a very crazy world. Now we have grandparents teaching kids homeschooling and parents trying yeah. to just put food on the table. So if I ask, ask the average person to do something in seven days, they're probably never going to get to it. But if I ask somebody to take an actionable step, they're more likely. So if you know somebody that's struggling with their health and their fitness, what is something they can do in the next 24 hours to start the right to ship? Well, you know, they, they always say that the, the, the abs are made in the kitchen, right? And so I think one thing is you can just right now, everybody's going to eat, you know, you, you're going to have breakfast, you're going to have lunch, or you're going to have dinner, make a smart choice, make your next meal a smart choice, make the meal something other than a fast food meal makes it make it something other than, you know, useless sugar or, or massive amounts of salt or, you know, um, other types of, of carbs that have no nutrient value to them. Make some smart choices, eat some veggies, eat some lean meat, eat some fish, um, eat something healthy. And then once you do that, you, you, now you got one meal under your belt, right? I mean, it's, it's a matter of, you know, the, the, that first step, you just have to now take the next step and the next step would be the next meal. And if you make smart choices in that next meal, then you'll be able to not be one of the statistics that we talked about. And you'll be able to, you know, accomplish just day by day getting where you want to be. You know, Rick, thank you so much for taking the time today. I know you you got so much going on, but it was truly an honor to be able to be. No, the, the honor is mine, my friend. I, I truly appreciate the, the opportunity to chat with you today. It's, it's 
you know, we've known each other a long time and um, it took us a while to, to get us together here, but uh, I'm, I'm very grateful that you reached out to me and that we were able to make And thank you so much. Thank you, the guys at, thanks to the guys at Nutribio for, for everything that you guys do. And if you guys love to wear great workout gear that helps support veteran causes, check out victorywarrior.com and definitely check out the legal muscle book if you can get it because that's where i learned a lot a lot a lot from your book that first book was amazing <laughs> thank All you right, so my much brother. Well, have a blessed day and have an amazing week thank you you too my brother be well thank you for joining us today please hit subscribe and share please feel free to leave us a comment